AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From grandmothers who whispered in their baby girl ear, to fathers on dimly lit street corners instructing young soldiers to always keep their eyes open. You be queen. You were fired. You were passed through centuries on the hands of your daughters. They called you wisdom. Proverbs. On the backs of diamond-eyed school children who grew into hymnals recited by amethyst-holding urban philosophers who recited neighborhood commandments out of the windows of restored El Camino chariots to keep the warmth in their blood. Be wise. Be smart. Be black opal, brown quartz, bloodstone and prayer. Be every form of gem. See, king told scribe, scribe told son, son told wife, wife told her daughter, and daughter told the ancestors, and the ancestors told me that you would come to give wisdom to thousands. They said you would come dropping gems, dropping gems. Welcome to the Dropping Gems podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Brown. This is a safe place to land. And what I mean when I say a safe place to land is this is a space where we don't sit in judgment of ourselves or others. It's a space where we are free to be in our process, whatever that looks like for each of us. And we connect to what fits and leave what doesn't. And so on this show, my goal, my deepest desire and intention is always just to share and unpack conversation in a way that is serving to the mind-body-soul connection. And in a way that really allows us to go deep in the unique ways that we specifically are called to, which is very often more of a private manner, you know, more of a manner of us being in practice and being in process with ourselves day in and day out in a way that only we can observe. So I like to open up a container to share space for that on this show and to bring some amazing conversations with people I connect to and I admire along with me. 
So this show will definitely not be an exception to that. I am so excited to connect with today's guest. Um, oh, just a remarkable human spirit. Uh, and I'll get to that piece in just a second. But to start, to set the container, I always like to take a moment, take a deep breath, connect to my heart. And then I shuffle my Karma Bliss Affirmation deck that has 54 different affirmations that I've written. I shuffle the deck. I see what card wants to pop out on its own. And very often that card ends up being significant to what this episode will be about. So. As we get ready to take in this show, see where it lands for us, I want to invite everyone, if it is safe for you to do so, and if there's ease to it, I want to invite you as we start the show to just take a moment with me to get really comfortable wherever you happen to be seated and settle in a little bit more deeply into your seat. Start breathing in. Through your nose, nice, long, deep inhale that's nourishing to you. And exhaling deeply, slowly through your nose. Let's do that just a couple times. And as you really connect and align with that breath, allow your eyes to gently close. And right now, just connect to your heart. Connect to that breath. In and out. And I'm going to read the affirmation that came out of the deck today. So that affirmation is, my mind is clear and I am able to make good choices that serve my highest good with ease. My mind is clear. And I am able to make choices that serve my highest good with ease. Breathe in here. Exhale. My mind is clear. And I am able to make good choices that serve my highest good with ease. All right. Now let's gently release that and you can come back into your body, allow your eyes to open as you feel called, connect to a breath that feels natural, nourishing, easy. (sighs) Welcome. All right, today's show, I'm excited. Today's show is with um, a force, someone that I am so happy to be in community with and so happy to know. Today's show is with the dynamic, brilliant, soulful, one of one, no one in this world exists like him, one of one, powerful spiritual teacher, broadcaster, author, Ismael Gala. Ismael Gala is a life and business strategist. For five and a half years, Ismael Gala was the host of the gala during prime time on CNN and Espanol. The New York Times described him as the Latin Larry King, a businessman and social entrepreneur, author of eight bestsellers on themes of leadership, entrepreneurship, and personal development, 
including El Poder de Escuchar, The Power of Listening, and Despierta con Gala, Wake Up with Gala. Gala was born in Santiago de Cuba in 1969 and holds a degree in art history from Oriente University. He is the co-author of the book, Beat the Curve, with Brian Tracy. He graduated from the School of Communication at York University in Toronto and has a diploma from Seneca College in television production. He is the president and founder of the Gala Enterprises Corporation and the Ismail Gala Foundation. He is currently considered one of the most important communicators on the continent, and his message of social entrepreneurship, mindfulness, and well-being has impacted millions of people who follow his work in books, seminars, workshops, and conferences. Gala has toured more than 35 countries. Ah, Welcome to the show, this exceptional being, Ismael Gala. Hello, hello, Debbie. Thanks so much for that kind and beautiful introduction. Uh, you have made my day. Uh, Thank you so much. I am so, so, so happy. I'm so happy to have you here. I, I feel ecstatic inside my body. So I, I always love to share a little bit of the personal connection with the audience. So Ismael and I had our love affair began in Mexico. Yes. And um, <laughs> we were both we were both teaching and leading at the Chopra Seven Spiritual Laws of Success retreat that happened in Riviera Maya in Mexico um, over the summer. And from the moment I saw him, I felt so connected. Like I looked in your eyes and I was like, how many lifetimes have we mutual mutual connection, <laughs> Debbie? Love at first sight. Mm. And, you know, we had this amazing experience while we were out there together. Um, it was really magic. Do you remember that night we went to dinner? Yes, yes, I, I do. A beautiful dinner, a beautiful setting, and Darlene and, and I and Bruno and you and everybody connecting. And it was a very cosmic uh, chatting. I, I, I think it was really special. We were right next to this gorgeous body of water. And so I, I'm also highlighting the power of manifestation because when you get certain energies together, you just can't help for the best possible outcomes. So I remember we were sitting at dinner and we were by this like little body of water and we're like, wouldn't it be so amazing if a boat came? I want to get on a boat. Two seconds right, later. Right on cue, right on cue, <laughs> the boat appeared <laughs> a boat appeared we ended up getting on this boat and it took us on the most gorgeous starlit night deep night you know cruise around around the land and we came into these little pockets where there were these gorgeous exotic birds hundreds of them sitting on a tree white against the black moon and the stars and the music and it was just utterly divine and Moments like that are what I live for. Um, so it was just so special connecting to that with you. Me too, me too. And let me tell you, it, it was something very special to me because, uh, I mean, years ago, I was uh, part of some other Chopra retreats. And this time when I got to the retreat, I heard your voice before entering the room. You know, open the door. I haven't or hadn't seen you yet. And I heard your voice and I said, oh, my God, what a deep, profound voice with such a sweet connection. And to tell you the truth, that was my first encounter. And then mm. I met you and then we talked and I felt 
your huge electromagnetic heart energy. And I said, oh, she is a goddess. Mm. Thank you, my friend. Ismael, where do I even begin? You know, you you have lived such a powerful life. And something I love so much about your journey is, you know, what I recognize also in myself and in all and in so many great, great healers and storytellers of the world. It's like you have had such a mixture of really deep, highly specific experiences that were so necessary for your destiny to yeah. be able to arrive at the position that you're in. And, you know, I, I had the beautiful chance of hearing your story and learning from you while you were on stage and you were teaching so many deep spiritual knowings um, and through your lens and through your story. And, you know, from, from your childhood, you went on to have this just impeccable, incredible career in Latin America. You're a leading journalist. You have touched millions of people. And then you, you felt the call of spirit to really take you deeper in the ways that you communicated with people and also kind of on a whole new journey. Can you tell me about that moment where you knew you needed to be more of you in front of the millions of people that were in your audience? Wow. That's, that's something that it's a divine calling because, you know, when I was a kid, actually I never, never imagined that I was going to be a coach or a guide or a spiritual teacher of any kind. Why? Because, as you said, I needed to live so many kind of complex experiences as a kid with low, low, low self-esteem and stigma about schizophrenia. My father was diagnosed with schizophrenia. My grandfather committed suicide. My aunt committed suicide when I was a teenager. And, and I was just raised without a masculine figure, even though my father was nearby. So, you know, my childhood and my adolescence, Debbie, to tell you the truth, were periods of introspection and a lot of questions. Yeah. Am I worth living this life? I didn't have a lot of smiles like I do right now. Because I had to build my, my smile. So, but at the age of eight, radio came to me. And there was a woman who literally became my most wise teacher of all times, which is, uh, or who is Nilda Hellemann. She still lives in Santiago de Cuba, in my, my island where I was born, Cuba. And, you know, she just asked me to raise my hand in front of the class if I wanted to do a tryout, reading out loud. That was the defining moment of my childhood and my entire life. Because I just kind of half raised my hand, but she was able to see me. And she said, what's your name? And I said, Ismael. Okay, Ismael, come. Maybe you're nervous, but that's okay. Come to the front of the class, read out loud a few paragraphs, and... Do you want to do a radio show for children? And I said, oh, yes, I love reading. That day, that act of courage changed my entire future because radio, every single Saturday, became my refugee. Wow. You know, I was bullied at school because I was not the macho type. As Latinos, we are kind of, you know, like strong men. Men don't cry. Even mothers tell their kids, oh, come on, don't be a girl. Don't cry. Los hombres no lloran. Men don't cry. So, you know, I was kind of never understanding why I had to really use violence against other boys to defend my rights. So I was so conflicted wow. inside. 
And that day changed my life. And radio and the training that this lady gave me really uh, made me a communicator because she did everything possible to teach me how to talk, how to act, how to kind of uh, have a better diction or articulation, uh, enunciation with words in Spanish. And that was the first defining moment in my life. Wow. And after that, you know, I, I, I thought that I was going to be my entire life and career like a communicator in mass media. So this second reinvention or transfiguration was a divine calling working with Deepak Chopra in 2014. Mm. Something Deepak said one day that, you know, in my mind, kind of, it, it, it was like a drop, like dropping James, like your podcast. And it started a ripple effect in my mind saying, you have to stop what you're doing because you don't know yourself enough, Ismael. Mm. So stop what you're doing, abandon your success, abandon your power, abandon your fame, abandon your reputation, and take time to know yourself. And that's exactly what I did in 2016. Mm. Okay. You, you just gave me so much meat. I don't even know where I want to go back to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so there, there's multiple things that I heard in what you just said. And first, I would love to sit in and I really deeply relate. Um, when you said you had to build your smile, can yes. we talk about that childhood self that does not necessarily have mature adult relationships present where you have to teach yourself what it is to be alive, to be human, yes. to have emotions and how to reconcile all of that, you know, that, that experience of being a child and being really confused at the way that other people are operating and knowing that it doesn't inherently feel true to you. Can you speak yes. to that? Wow. That's exactly, exactly in your words, how I felt. I felt totally displaced by society mm. because my family had and still has a problem with the stigma of mental illnesses or brain disorders. So the first thing that I heard was, shh, never ask your father about why he's not working. He's sick, but please do not ask him about the illness. Another prohibition. They told me, never ask your father how he lost when he was eight years old, he was a kid, his left arm. So, you know, I was a kid with Ooh. so many questions that I couldn't because I wasn't allowed to talk so, and to express myself. And imagine if that kind of affected my entire body that now I can understand, studying epigenetics, that my inability to express, not only to not smile or to smile, my inability to express myself in an honest way created constant throat infections. Because wow. now we know that whatever you swallow and you don't express will sicken you. And, you know, Debbie, this is, this is really good because what I'm doing with you today is just sharing the journey of a wounded healer. You know, I, I didn't choose. Wow. I didn't choose to be a doctor. I didn't choose to be a healer. I didn't choose to be a spiritual leader. 
Life chose me, God chose me because mm. I could understand that I needed to do a personal work mm. to heal myself and to understand my brain and reprogram my brain and to build smiles, even if I didn't have smiles during my childhood, and to understand something very important. Our predispositions are not necessarily our destiny. If we understand that, we can change almost everything about our character, personality traits, and lifestyle. And that's exactly what I've been doing. Very entertaining, very complex, the process for so many years until this day. Oh, my goodness. Wow. 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 And the piece that you just touched on, too, I think it it's so... We're just now collectively as a society, as a world, as humans, um, beginning to understand the impact of what it is to not be able to be expressed. And so when, you know, that piece you said is so powerful around, I think for a lot of us, previous generations thought if someone has emotions, right? Like if someone has emotions, if there is a pain present, do not talk about it. Don't ask them about it. Don't bring it up. And so then you have people who have surrendered decades of their lives to being in constant war with themselves simply because they did not have the space to say something out loud. You say something out loud, you express it, it frees you. And so it's like, I'm even imagining how isolating for your father to have these experiences, to have this amputation as a child, to have this um relationship with his mental health that no one ever asks him about. No one's ever asking, how do you feel? What does this mean for you? What do you need? You yes. know, and it's like the battle that that brings inside that that then passes down to every other generation because then we carry their burden and our burden until you finally release it, um, which is where you landed. Wow. And the good news is that when we understand that even People we love and they pass away, there is, there is space for healing with them. And the good news is that the best conversations I've always have had with my father have been in this new relationship that I have with him after he passed away. He's a powerful energy. He's such a good guide in consciousness to me that every single day I talk to him and I say, thank you, Father. Thank you. I totally understand you. Thank you for how I saw you when I was judging you. Thank you for the thoughts I had about you, you know, re kind of resenting the hugs that you never gave me, even with your only arm, because I don't remember my father hugging me. And it's really good, Debbie, because, you know, sometimes people think, okay, I have nothing to do. This person passed away and, you know, th there is an open end. And I said, no, 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 no. Death, it's only a transition. And it's a transition that leaves us with more freedom and liberty to interact with pure joy and no analytical mind with the loving energy of our loved ones wow. so and and it's beautiful right now and it's an amazing relationship with my father so i don't know i kind of i'm sad that he's not present but i'm so happy that he taught me 
how to live without him. And that's a celebration for me every single day. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for walking through your process for everyone, because I know I felt instinctively what clicked into place for thousands of people just now, you know, that there is an opportunity to even reconcile these challenging relationships. If the person is not there, there is a way to know their energy 
the best of them and not just the way that we were influenced by their presence or by their lack of presence. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. You know, another, <laughs> another piece that you brought forward, um, I just, I would love to get into one more piece you brought forward too, as we continue on this journey together. And I, I, I told you, so cool. I told you before we started um, the conversation for the podcast that we have such a connection that when I saw you and I saw the color of your blouse and my <laughs> we vest, wore the same color. and I said, oh my God, you know, it's like we, we sent a memo to each other to use like earthly colors, but it's because I yeah. think really we have a, a, a pure and wonderful and probably historical connection. I don't know. Yeah, I feel that. You're, I mean... You're one of the most remarkable people I've ever met. So it's just being in your light is such a profound joy for me. And I love, you know, specifically, so for those that can't see us, we're both wearing orange shirts and that's um, big sacral chakra energy. So this yeah. is the seat of creation um, that we're bringing forward. So there, we'll see how that unfolds. Um, but Ismael, you know, um, one of the things that you brought up too was your road to yourself and your opportunity to begin building your smile, to begin building your esteem, to build your knowingness of yourself through that teacher asking you to use your voice. And what is so powerful about that to me is what a lot of people um, do not receive, which is why for so many, especially you know what we're referring to as wounded healers, why sometimes it does take a little bit. Um, of deep, deep practice, not a little bit. It takes a lot of practice. It takes an immense amount of personal excavation to come into this space where you really understand your power. And a reason that sometimes for many, it's not inherent is one, our family structures, but two, not receiving feedback about your innate gifts, not being around adults that can recognize what is authentic about you as your own being without it triggering them and how they feel about themselves. And so to receive a feedback in your voice is just so incredible. Your voice has been in the ears of millions and all you needed was to know that there was value there, you know? And so it, I, one, I'm just hearing the power of expressing that when you see a child, when you see a young person, when you see an adult, Share enthusiasm with them. You have no idea what their home life looks like. Offer Mm. feedback to people in real time if you're able about what you see in them. Because more often than not, they don't know that that even exists in them yet. Or they know, but they have no idea that other people know. Yes. Exactly as you said, Debbie. You know, I think that when I notice, because somebody told me, that I have so many things to say to the world, that I had a powerful voice to express myself, I started building my self-worth. And I started dreaming. And those dreams started to grow. And it's unbelievable because I remember that a year after I started my training with that radio personality and that radio writer and director, You know what I said to my mom? I said, could you change me from the little town school to the big city school? Would imply that she had to take me, of course, like 20 minutes from the town, a mountain town, 
when I was born, to the main city, Santiago de Cuba. And my mom said, why? And I said, well, because I think I prefer the city because the school is better and, and bigger. And I want to try. Mm -hmm. So I started dreaming bigger and bigger and bigger because somebody told me you can express yourself. Imagine that I still have with me two little booklets from my fourth grade, eight years old. One, it's with little poems. And the other one was with two stories, short stories that Nilda, my teacher, said, please, you have to write. You have so many things inside your head. Write poems. Write two short stories. Don't worry about if it's good, if it's not good. I'm going to help you to edit them. And she used a typing machine at that moment, years back, and she edited it. And she kind of put it together with, with everything, the cover and everything done with her hands. So the love that I received wow. from my mom, my father, but also from this vocational teacher made me the smile that I am today. And she's still alive. And I never lost contact with Nilda Aleman. That's her name. She has um, now some uh, illness. She's not, you know, like the person that I met, but still so conscious and also 87 years old. And, and I, I, I talked to her almost every month. And I visited her several times in Cuba. Why? Because I think that when you had that, the opportunity of having somebody who made such a huge impact mm -hmm. in who you are still today, that's gratitude forever. And that's how I feel about Nilda. She is, she was, and she is an angel sent to help me understand my worth in this world. Wow. 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 When did you leave Cuba? I left Cuba in 1998. I was already 28, almost 29, June 7th, 1998. And I left as part of a Cuban delegation sent by the Cuban government to Toronto, Canada. And I was the master of ceremony of a musical band, a cigar roller, and a chef. So we were the delegation showing a little bit of the culture of the island wow. in a multicultural festival in Toronto. And I always wanted to live since I was like 10 years old because I always wanted to know what was beyond the ocean that natural frontier surrounding my island. And I couldn't travel. You know, I couldn't travel for 28 years. So my first opportunity, I said, wow. God, you send me this lifeboat? I'm staying here. I didn't, I didn't speak English when I got to Canada. Actually, I had to lie to be able to get the gig because they asked me, Ismael, do you, do you speak English? And I said, of course, yes. <laughs> because I, I knew that if I said no, They would look for another person. I said, wow. I know how to speak English. I'm going to memorize my lines. And I sounded like Ricky Ricardo in I Love Lucy <laughs> when I was hosting that Cuban show because imagine, I didn't know how to improvise. I only memorized wow. the lines. So I remember that when, when we were in the middle of the show, I said to the Canadians in the hall, okay, instead of saying, let's play the conga, I said, Let's touch the conga. 
touch the conga, touch the conga. And there, there is one anecdote that is really funny. You know that when I was in Toronto, I said, I want to go to downtown. And I asked somebody and somebody told me, oh, it's easy. You will see the signs for the subway and you go into the train and you will ask for downtown. And I said, well, that sounds easy. And you know what I did? I saw the sign subway. I enter into the establishment. I saw somebody preparing a sandwich. And I said to that person, I'm going downtown. Where is the, the train? Oh <laughs> Where is the train? And the person said, what train? And I said, this is not Subway. And it was the restaurant, Subway restaurant, Debbie. And, oh, my oh, wow. God. <laughs> but I have, a better, I have a better anecdote of my English to you. I went to the supermarket by myself because I wanted to be independent. And I was just like two weeks in Toronto. You know, in Spanish, we have very definite uh, five, only five sounds for the vowels. Mm. A, E, I, O, U. Only five. In English, maybe native speakers don't notice, but when you learn English as a second language, you have to differentiate a lot of combinations of the sounds ah. of the five vowels. So for a Spanish speaker, it's not that easy to differentiate. So I went to the supermarket and I love peanut butter. And I said to the lady, how much is that jar of penis butter? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and she blushed. And she said, what? And I said, how much is that jar of penis butter? And she was like red as a tomato. And I didn't understand because I said, oh, my God, my English is really bad. She doesn't understand me. How many times I have to say, how much is that jar of penis butter? And she said, okay, do you mean peanuts butter? And I said, that's what I said, penis butter. And she said, no, penis, it's something different. Peanuts, it's what you mean. And then I went to the school the following day and I said, okay, I had this. And my teacher, by the way, that was from Russia, living in Toronto, teaching me English. She said, oh, Ismael, that's so funny. I'm going to use your anecdote. That's the way that you learn a second language. No shame. Keep mm. practicing. <laughs> wow. 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 That is hilarious. <laughs> so you, I mean, when you got here, you just hit the ground running. Oh, yeah. I mean, which is just, it, it's just so remarkable, like the destiny at play. And I know we keep referencing that, but I want to make sure that everyone really gets that in their mind. Like there are forces for good unfolding in your life in powerful ways. We have to trust, you know, you came here on that delegation and then in just a few years time, you go to become the leading voice in Latin America on CNN. Because I never lost my vision. The power of manifestation is so huge that in, in, in 1997, I was a radio and TV personality already well-known in the entire island in Cuba. And internally, in the monitors inside the radio station and the government's channel, they had CNN, International Signal, in English. So that was what I was watching, you know, like CNN, wow, International News. And in 1997, March, I remember the day that they said, CNN has premiered a continental, pan-regional Spanish network. 
CNN en español o CNN en Spanish. And they switched the signal to CNN en español. That day, Debbie, I was looking at the monitor and I said to one of my colleagues, you know what? They have now CNN in Spanish. I'm going to be working there someday. That day, I didn't know how I'm going, I was going to be able to leave Cuba. It wasn't that easy. And when that happened in 2001, and I became an intern, and I paid all my fares from Toronto to Atlanta for three weeks, pay hotel, paid everything, because CNN said, no, we take interns for three months. You are only coming for three weeks. That doesn't serve us. And I said, please, please, please. And a friend of mine helped me to secure my three weeks internship. That was only what I needed for Seneca College in Toronto to finish my diploma of television production. I became an intern. I became the freelancer in Canada, in Toronto, the first one that they ever had. And then I moved to Miami. I was a freelancer. I was filling in for all the main guys anchoring the shows. And little by little, I was kind of escalating. And then in 2010, they changed programming and I became the Larry King for the CNN in Spanish because I said, let's do Larry King. Let's do a show interviewing artists, celebrities, sportsmen, writers, philosophers, spiritual leaders, everybody. I want to interview everybody. And the show was a mega success. I didn't expect that it was going to be a mega success. I knew that I had a passion for listening, that I always wanted to learn listening to other people's stories and messages and wisdom. So I knew that I was going to be good at listening, but I didn't know that the show was going to become the mega phenomenon across the United States in Spanish for the Latin community and also all across 20-something countries in Latin America. So that's, that's what I'm saying, because wow. this is important. Wow. We have the power. We have the power with our thoughts and also with our loud expression to be sure that whatever we feel possible we can create it in our personal reality. And, and that's the exact thing with CNN. You know, it started with just an intention in 1997 in Havana, Cuba. Oh, my God. I mean, wow. Where do I go from there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's just like, that is so meaningful for me because I especially um, am just a believer in the whispers of God. And when we really take the time to get still, we're able to comb through our life's experiences to understand the steps that have been in play for us. That is the true guidance to what our purpose is, you know, and I think purpose is this leading connector for a lot, uh, for many, even venturing onto this journey, this idea that there is a purpose but I think so many people consider one pur purpose just being like a career title of sorts or something that like you spend a weekend kind of figuring out, well, what do I want to do and what can I make money at? Okay. Yes. All right. That's my purpose. And mm -hmm. in actuality, it's like, it's all of these beautiful breadcrumbs that God leaves us. These things where we really remember time stopping in that moment and we paid extra attention to something, even if it was a commercial on television or if it was, you know, just something very brief. 
we know that time stopped a little, even for seconds. And so think about those things that, that you remember. And it's like, well, why? And what was that leading to? And what was that giving me a little elbow about or a little nudge and knowing? And, you know, eventually that becomes the sum of what is just so special and unique about each of us and what is um, how we can tap into, as our beloved Deepak says, you know, the pure potentiality that is available in our lives, like the just the limitlessness, the endless endless flow of opportunity, the endless flow of best possible outcomes in every way. Yeah. And listening to you now, what came to my mind, Debbie, is that I divide my life in two halves. I am 52 right now, and I'm hoping that I'm going to live over 100. But let's, let's play by ear taking care of our body with intention of longevity and quality of life. But, you know, like the first half of those 52 years, I lived with the wrong paradigm because I thought and I was convinced by domestication or education or education, Mm. the rush Mm. to conformity. Mm. You know, society told me that my intellect was my savior. Mm. And that my intellect was the highest resource that I was going to have to be successful and to be happy and to be productive and blah, blah, blah. And then I understood that it was not going to be my intellect, that probably my intellect without the proper energy or consciousness state was going to drive me crazy inside my mind. Mm. When I changed the paradigm, And I understood that my energy, it's more important than my intellect. My life became a world of magic and revelations. Before that, when was my intellect, my intellect and my reasoning, the highest resource that I was always honoring, I was so depressed, so unstable, so sick of myself sometimes, so full of myself sometimes, no humility, and life was a struggle. And it's so simple. And then when I said, okay, no, intellect, be brilliant. Resource, you know, it's a brilliant resource, but it's secondary. Energy, it's my life force. It's what I live by and I live for. It's what I wake up every single day to cultivate. It's the discipline of joy every single day. My energy, it's what I send to the world and what I want that the world sends back to me and the universe. That's my only mission every single day because I know that if I'm in a loving mode, I will be able to give love and receive love. If I am in a compassionate mode and my energy, it's all about compassion, I'm going to be less reactive and I'm going to have, I'm going to have my intellect serving me, but not with a very noisy ego. It's going to be a silent ego, well-trained at service of the soul, you know? So like getting out of the struggle I thought for the first 25 or 28 years of my life that it was going to be so hard to change how I saw life because I used to see life as a struggle. 
But David, the good thing is, it's not that hard. It's just changing the perspective of being spiritual beings that need to cultivate the spirit and to pay attention and to make time for our daily practice for the spirit and life right now. It could end right now, tomorrow, or in 50 or 60 more years. I don't care because life is so, so much a flow of beautiful things that even death is welcome when it's time for that. I don't want it now, but I don't fear it. It's whatever it is. It's part of the existence. And that's a beautiful thing. And this Ismael that is talking to you, when he looks back and sees the other Ismael, he says, wow, this is, this is a totally different person. The same essence, but in a different wiring of the brain, of the mind, and actually of the vibration of the spirit. And that's what makes me so happy to see that I could do something for me, for my father, for my grandfather who committed suicide, for my two aunts who committed suicide, for my brother who suffers the, uh, from schizophrenia, from, from, for my other brother who now is totally healed, but for many years was lost with addiction to alcohol. So it's the struggle of entire family that now I say, okay, let's help release this, living with intention, high consciousness, doing the practice, not only for me, for so many people that I can help, not telling anything, just being different, being light. And this is wonderful because, you know, I don't talk with so many people about this, but I have to tell you because I know that you totally get it and your audience gets it. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. 
with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That was so powerful. And I it was just so, 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 so felt. It was so felt. And I'm just, I'm grateful that you are giving such beautiful teaching and in the fibers of how to make this real in people's lives. You know, like this is what's necessary. We have to give these deeper details, these, these more hidden shifts, you know, some of these darker crevices. Because who does not feel that in some ways? You know, there, I think that there has been this leading ideal, Ismael, that everyone in, the, in life had a good life. And there's just only a couple of people who had it so hard or who it was so difficult to push out of. And, and in actuality, what I have found, it is the absolute reverse. There is this mm. one to five percent of the human population that has this ideal situation um, that we've all kind of internalized or built our cultural understanding around, built our self-understanding around. That is what is promoted through television, through film, through literature over the course of human history. But it's not authentic to what the lived human experience is. The lived human experience is painful. Pain is a master teacher. You know, there's that quote, um, that Rumi quote that it's, you know, allow your heart to break over and over until it stays open. That is what. Wow, that's beautiful. That's the I human love experience, right? Allow your heart to break, to break, to break until it finally stays open. In the openness, there is no breaking. But the fibers of being, the the weaving, the the <laughs> the small undoings that allow you to actually know and live that, that is what the world so desperately needs right now. How do you make that real and tangible? You know, so I'm just I'm in deep gratitude for the way that you teach and the way that you share yourself and your experiences. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just a follower of so many people that when you read the biography, you understand that they made a difference in this world because they were coherent, because they elevated their state of consciousness, because they became love to spread love and to receive love. And, you know, it's like Mahatma Gandhi. When you, when you understand that Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change that you want to see in the world, that's exactly what we have to do. You know, we want to not have to talk about wars. Okay, I'm not responsible for the war in, in Ukraine, but I am responsible for the peace inside my heart. 
And I know that if my heart is open, as you said, and is full of peace and love, I will never be part of the war. And if every single human being does this work, there is no need for war. Mm. You know, because somebody starts a war when there is no peace in the heart. If you have peace in the heart, it's totally impossible to justify for yourself the need for war or violence. So that's exactly what we need to do right now, especially in these times, you know, after COVID, now living with news bombarding us every single day about the war. And we need silence. We need peace. We need time to really nurture our spirit as you do with this beautiful podcast. This is the kind of content and the kind of time well spent that human beings need mm. on a daily basis. Not only when we fall, when we fall, because that's something that we have to do also. Mm. You know, somebody told me the other day, oh, your meditation app, Ismael, is wonderful. Every time that I feel sad, I use it. Mm. And I said, come on, every time that you feel sad, that's not, that's not the purpose of the meditation. The meditation is for every day because probably if you meditate every day, if you do your practice every day, you will not feel the sadness staying that long with you because you will be able to move on because you are wow. meditated yeah. instead of medicated. You regulate your nervous system. You know, you teach yeah. yourself new ways of feeling in your body and, oh, oh. Ismail, can we talk about your book, Flow Not to Suffer? First of all, that line, flow yes. not to suffer. Yes. What is, what is flow? This line is not from my brain. I have to be honest. The book started, the process of creating this book and writing the book started in 2018, before the pandemic. But then in March 2020, the book was almost done. And I was going to send the manuscript to the publishing house, Penguin Random House, Spanish Division in the U.S. And then I said, no, I can't, I can't do this because, I mean, there is a pandemic coming. We are going to live in extraordinary situations. And then I sat in a meditation, Debbie, one morning before sun rising. And I asked God and I said, I know this book is going to be very helpful, especially in the moments that we are going to start living for the next few months. I didn't know that it was going to take two years almost. And I said, please, God, give me, give me a line, give me a message, give me a title. Because this book was going to be called 11 Principles to Transform Your Life. The Leader Bamboo. Because it's all about biomimesis or bioempathy. Studying the bamboo as a plant and taking traits and characteristics of the bamboo being assimilated by humans as leaders. For instance, flexibility, versatility, consciousness elevation, gratitude, integrity, passion, collaboration. There are 11 principles or values taken from the bamboo as a plant, observing the natural laws of the 
nature and the universe. So flow not to suffer, it came to me in Spanish, fluir para no sufrir, that day, that morning, during that meditation. And I remember that he said, fluir para no sufrir. What a dramatic title. We Latinos are so dramatic. We love soap operas and telenovelas. But God, if you gave me this, I'm not going to question this line. This is going to be the title of the book because I actually think after the pandemic will be a need for these tools and knowledge and wisdom and protocols and rituals and habits to, to be installed to be able to kind of serve the wave of mental disorders and the consequences of two years yeah. of extreme yeah. survival. Mm. And actually, Debbie, I consulted the title mm. with the publishing house. I proposed different ones, kind of more positive and less dramatic. And everybody loved this one. Flow, not to suffer. Flow is not to give up. To flow is not to conform and to say, there is nothing that I can do. This is what it is. The situation overpowers me. I'm just throwing the towel. No, not at all. Flow is to understand that if you offer resistance to whatever reality you are interpreting inside yourself or in the exterior world, that resistance is going to take the vital energy that you need to create a better response instead of using instincts and reflexes, just reacting. That's the concept. I'm not saying that you don't change what needs to be changed. I'm telling you that probably you need to pause, use the same vital energy with your kind of primary force offering resistance to what is not something that you like and use that vital energy to pause, to breathe, to relax. Because during relaxation, you will be able to create a strategy, a better designed response or answer. That's the concept that I use saying people flow, flow and create the response you need to change whatever you don't like about yourself today or the world that you live in. And actually, when I flow, everything gets solved. When I don't flow, I spend a lot of time sacrificing my intelligence and my creative energy just offering a physical, physical resistance to this force that is coming against me. So that's the concept. A lot of people reading the book in Spanish is not yet in English, but it will be because I'm manifesting that this is going to be my first published book in English. I have one that is going to be in Amazon in July, self-published, and that's my first book, The Power of Soul Listening. Mm. That will be in English. But I want this one to go published by a major publishing house. And it will happen because it's already, it's already out there. Wow. Well, I, I will be getting it and I'm so, <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Um, the, the concepts that you said are the, <laughs> it is, it is the, it is the path to lifelong transformation. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for all that we'll get to connect to this work and, and understand what living your healing looks like. 
you know, what, what deep, authentic restructuring of our brains, our hearts, and the systems we have in place in our lives. So, 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 so powerful. Ismael, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank I you. Wait to see you again. I cannot wait to get to Miami and to come to your incredible healing center. Yes, yes. We are waiting for you here and your son and whoever you want to bring with you, your team, come to the Cala Center in Miami. And in the month of July, Debbie, your audience, you know, if they go to the Chopra app, they will be able to listen to my five sessions or five meditations about purpose. I am so thrilled, so grateful with Deepa, with Malika, with you, with the entire Chopra global team. Yes. Because for me, it's a, it's a major milestone, you know, coming from the story that I'm coming from Cuba, being 29, not speaking English, and now being invited by Deepak Chopra to be one of the guests, you know, in Journey to, uh, to Wellbeing. Wow. So... July is a month for me of celebration. I already recorded the sessions and they are wonderful. They are really powerful and amazing. Oh, so amazing. I cannot wait. And everyone, please join us on the Chopra app, Chopra Wellbeing app. It will be available for Android users as well um, and for Apple users in your iOS store. But yes, Ismael is leading for the Journey to Wellbeing, which is an incredible program we've kicked off at Chopra, a year long of having workbooks, having tools, having meditations to take you where you want to be in your life, to get you to that next level. Um, just always so deeply grateful for Deepak, for Malika, and for all of the things um, that we're able to create there. So Ismaya will be joining the entire month of July. You can connect him on the app, on the website. You sign up for the Journey to Wellbeing program. He'll have a workbook that will help you connect to your purpose, to take his meditations and to take his teachings and actually be able to bring them from your brain down into your heart. So please join us there. And I actually, and I haven't announced this yet, but for May, which is like tomorrow, um, I will be leading <laughs> the Chopra Wellbeing uh, for the yes. month of May. And the focus will be work. So I'm really excited to share um, so many meditations, so many tools and workbooks that can better help connect all listening to this new, um, this new frontier in our working lives as we're rejoining the world or reimagining what this, you know, um, quote unquote, work-life balance can look and feel like for each of us. So you can, I'll have more info on that next episode of the podcast, but yes, join us there, connect to this work. Um, it's time, it's time to move forward on your destiny, on your purpose, on your healing. Ismael, I love you. I love you. Thank I you. Love I love you, you too, Debbie. <laughs> I love you too. And I will see you soon. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Such a powerful episode. Woo. Share this with a friend. Send this, um, if you can, right now, I say, go ahead and add this in the share to the group chat that you're in. Uh, to a dear friend, to someone you're connecting with that needs this or that you'd like to reflect and discuss this with. Ismael Gala, what an exceptional person. 
the affirmation we connected to at the beginning of the show, let's recenter right now and get ready for some soul work and see where that affirmation lands, having now heard this episode. So I want to invite you to get comfortable again, settle in, connect to the seat of your body. If able, maybe consider putting your feet flat on the floor and grounding Connect to your heart, connect to your breath, and I want to invite you to gently close your eyes. My mind is clear, and I am able to make choices that serve my highest good with ease. My mind is clear, and I am able to make choices that serve my highest good with ease. Hmm. My mind is clear and I am able to make choices that serve my highest good with ease. So hearing that, hearing that affirmation now connected to the context of the show that we just had and some themes that are really standing out to me right now as I reread that myself was settling into a clarity, settling into a spaciousness with yourself where you can hear the bigger stories of your life that are being told, where you can zoom out a little bit from the pixelated view you may have about yourself and your experiences, about your gifts, about your purpose, and really allowing yourself to zoom out and say, what else is happening? What other things may have been conspiring for my highest good? Where even in some of the more challenging moments, was there opportunity for me? Was there an unseen support for me? Was there a learning that was available for me? And now as we think about our soul work, if you have a journal that's present or if you want to double back to the ending of this episode later uh, when you have a pen and paper, I'd like you to jot down what are some of the whispers that are available to you in this exact moment? And by whispers, I mean, where are you noticing signs? Where are you noticing synchronicities? Where are you noticing ease? Um, You know how we've all begun to notice on our phones that we might be having a conversation about something and, oh, all of a sudden, later that day or the next day, an ad appears for it on your Facebook account or it appears on your phone in some way or in an Instagram ad. And you're like, I was just talking about that or I was just looking for that. Well, so that's a little bit of, you know, social uh, manipulation, but that is kind of how it operates on a soul level when we are noticing things out in the world, when you happen to say, oh my gosh, I have deja vu about that, or wow, I was just thinking about that, this book popped up, or this opportunity popped up, or this conversation came. When things like that happen, uh, I found that is where the truth lies, that is where the learning lies, that is where the nudge of what your next step is, lies. So for soul work this week, 
I want you to jot down any observations around that that you're making. Or if there are no observations that you can think of present, really explore this next week of your life through that lens that I just expressed to you, that lens of noticing, that lens of observing, that lens of commonality of themes at play. Um, a little bit of assistant, a little bit of miracles that are pouring in. So just watch. And I want you to start keeping notes about it. Keep a bullet point of, oh, this just popped up. And I was just thinking about that. Put a date next to it. Start to notice what patterns are happening. And I don't just mean the patterns about our challenges. That's really powerful to explore when we're learning and we're growing. What are the patterns? What are the themes of the challenges that have presented themselves so that we can be aware of what our curriculum is? This is, let me be aware of the patterns of blessings in my life. Let me be aware of the patterns of ease in my life. Let me be aware and start to cultivate a connection to the patterns of purpose and destiny and curiosity and creativity that are present and available in my life. That might feel really, really serving to you. So if you feel called, that is your soul work for this next week. I will be back next week as always. Hop on in the app and leave a five-star rating and review. Big thanks for that. And big, big love. And I haven't done a show on this yet, but if you follow me on social media, I announced it. Um, I will be having a show on this coming. But kicking off in September, myself and my divine, divine sister, Queen Afua, will be leading our very own retreat together at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. This incredible five-day retreat that we are doing, we are calling Women Who Heal. Women Who Heal at Omega Institute. It is open to everyone. But we're really looking to cultivate a sacred community of those that identify as light workers, as healers, as teachers, as activists, as mental health facilitators, emotional health facilitators, as deeply self-aware men and women, people, beings, those that are connecting to the deeper parts of themselves and would like to have community that speaks that language. If you want to deepen your practice in the journey that you're already on, if you want to learn how to protect your energy, if you want to learn how to settle more deeply into your spirit, how to settle more deeply into peace, how to nourish, restore, and recharge yourself, that's what we'll be doing. So five days, I'm really excited about the price point we, we were able to come in at with this offering. Um, we are partnering with Omega Institute, which is sacred, exceptional land. It's been a spiritual campus in upstate New York for over 40 years. I taught there this past fall. So I'm excited to be coming back to the land as faculty, along with Queen Afua, and presenting this five-day experience um, that comes in under $700 for five days. Really excited to offer that at this price point. Um, I've never seen that before, so we are so happy to be able to do that. 
And that includes meals um, and I believe lodging as it's available, but there's also Airbnbs and all the things. So all of those details, I'll do a whole nother show about, and you can find that um, all the info on my Instagram at Debbie Brown, click link in bio. Big thank you for listening. I love you. Please connect deeply to your heart, nourish yourself with your own love. And I'll catch you next time. Namaste. 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 Hey, find me on social. Let's connect at Debbie Brown. That's Twitter and Instagram, or go to my website, DebbieBrown.com. And if you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, please, please, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And send this episode to a friend. Dropping Gems is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect Network. It's produced by Jacquees and me, Debbie Brown. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.